Good morning, everyone. We are so glad that you are here to worship with us this morning. And good morning to everybody online. If you are watching online, write something in the comments so that we know who is with us. I don't know if you notice, uh, but there is flowers everywhere in the sanctuary today. Uh, those are in honor of a wedding yesterday. That was for Hannah and Blake. Um, so give them a big congratulations. Look what I have here today. Some great Thanksgiving bags. So these are uh, in the 5th and Chestnut entrance. And these go to the Salvation Army. You're probably familiar with these because we've done these every year for a long time. Um, but you fill it up with items on the list. And these come back to the church. And they will go to the Salvation Army. Also, while we're talking about Thanksgiving... We have the community Thanksgiving coming up, and that will be at the venue again this year. Um, but the day before, the day before Thanksgiving at 11, all youth, kids, parents, and really anyone of all ages is invited to go to the venue at 11. We have a church sign up at that time, and we're going to be working to set up for the event. Um, and you can also donate money to the cakes. Our church is in charge of cakes for the community Thanksgiving. And here is our big, grand announcement. So tonight, at 5 o'clock, there's going to be hot dogs and popcorn and amazing snacks in the gym. And then at 6 o'clock is the chemistry show. And this is not just for children. If you're here and you see this and you say, well, I'm a big kid. All ages are welcome to come. So here it is, the big chemistry show. I think that's our cue. Good morning. So we do hope that you are there for the chemistry show. I'm super excited. I know I've got a couple in my house who are really ready to go. So uh, again, we're glad that you're here to worship with us. Will you stand and sing with us this morning, please? God, a firm foundation, I rock the only solid ground. Nations rise and fall. Kingdoms, when strong, now shaken, we trust forever in your name. The name of Jesus. We trust in Jesus, you are the only king forever, almighty God, we 
may be seated and I want to invite our children to go with Miss Catherine right now we're gonna have fun in children's church today speaking of fun y'all I'm just saying from my perspective I can't wait to blow stuff up in church tonight at the gym I don't know what that guy's gonna do it looks like fun though doesn't it yeah Um, we didn't get to last Sunday um, honor our veterans. We had All Saints Sunday. We had a, a baptism. We had all of these different things going on, and so we decided to wait till this Sunday, since Veterans Day fell between Sundays. So I want to take just a moment to do two things. One is um, there are some little cards. There's some on the little table as you come in the door. Some uh, in the table as you come out just outside the chestnut door here. Um, anybody that wants to, this says, uh, with pride and prayer, I salute, and then it has a place for you to put names and branch of service and, and things like that. Anybody that wants to get one of these cards to honor uh, a veteran and their family, friend, um, get one of these cards, fill it out, and then during the last song, come and, and lay it on the altar uh, in, in honor of your veteran. That's one thing I want to do. The second thing I want to do is I want to have any veterans that are here in the sanctuary today, if you will stand and just let us say thank you for your service. Will you stand if you're a veteran? We have any veterans here today? Okay. Thank you for your service. All right. And if you're watching online, unless you're driving a car, you stand and know that we honor you too. And you at home, you can put in your comments, um, I would like to say a prayer for and thank, and then you mention your family veteran's name. Um, We are, we're we're very, very glad and and honored that that you chose to serve your country in this way. Um, I want to give... Jay Hedgepeth is our generosity campaign chairperson. I want to give him just a minute to say something about our generosity campaign this year. Who doesn't like to talk about money during church, right, Sam? <laughs> <laughs> well, what, uh, what can we say, guys? This is a, an annual campaign, of course, that we have as part of our budgeting process. Uh, as fascinating and exciting as that sounds, it is definitely a necessary part to the ongoing of the the church here at First Methodist. Uh, First and foremost, I want to say, I was trying to think, what am I going to say? Um, We have so many good things to be thankful for, I think, right here within the the walls of our church. You look around, A, we've got beautiful property. 
we have some fantastic ministries that go on. We have, you know, the, the soup kitchen, our ladle of love. We have our clothes closet, uh, our Sunday morning worships, our Wednesday morning worships, our Wednesday evening worships. We have various Bible studies, vacation Bible school, our children's ministry, uh, support with the ELC. If you look through our, our budget and the line items, I mean, it goes on and on and on and on. There are so many things that we do here uh, for the glory of God. And they all have one common theme. They cost money <laughs> other than the glory of God. It takes money to run all of these ministries and keep things going. So I, I want to urge you, if you have not already received them in the mail, something may be wrong. But uh, you should have gotten something in the mail that is just a pledge card. Please note, this is not a legally binding contract. It is binding between you and God with your commitment to support the church. But that is such a vital part to helping us be able to budget for the ongoing year. Uh, during COVID, we had really unprecedented donations that had come in. And, and there were some new ways that we were able to give through our e-giving. We've, we've started through a Facebook platform and, and you can text to give. We saw our electronic giving go through the roof. I mean, it was amazing just how much that has gone up. And, and again, thank you for your continued support to the church uh, in place of, of putting the, you know, the envelopes in the plate and putting a quarter in like I was taught when I was a kid. But uh, again, please take time to turn in those cards. I cannot tell you how important that is to making sure that the ministries here at First Methodist continue to go on. Again, this church has always come to the table and, and supported everything that goes on. So again, we cannot thank you enough. But again, please take time to send those in. You can mail them in. If you have lost the card, you can call in and talk to anybody here at the church. They will be glad to just take that number down. If you're here today, we have the plates here for your offerings. You can drop those envelopes in. If you can't find the envelope, just write it down on a piece of paper with your name and how much you intend to give for the 2021-2022 fiscal year. So again, don't want to take too much time, but again, we just want to stress how important that is for this church to continue carrying out its mission. Thank you, Sam. Thank you, Jay. Will you join me as we go to the Lord in prayer? Lord, for, for every good and perfect thing that you've given to our lives as we approach the Thanksgiving season, I pray that our hearts will overflow with thanks for all of your blessings. For all the needs that we have, we trust you because you are a good, good God. And you can take care of us in ways that we sometimes don't even understand. We ask that you take all of the generosity that this church gives, all of the tithes and offerings, all the volunteer hours, all of the servants' hearts, and use them for your kingdom's glory and bless them in Jesus' name. Amen. Savior's robes as he walks into the room 
where people pray, where we hear praises, he hears me. There is a sound I love to hear. It's the sound of the Savior's robes as he walks into the room. Where people pray, where we hear worship, he hears faith. Take my soul and sing, sing his praise aloud. Sing his praise aloud. Oh, awake my soul and sing. Sing his praise aloud. Sing his praise aloud. continuing this Sunday and next Sunday with our Shovember theme 
And I want to just kind of set up the song that we're about to hear right now. And our thing for today is God Help the Outcast. Um, the Hunchback of Notre Dame was a, a, originally a book by Victor Hugo, which turned into um, um, Disney, the Disney show, honestly, let's, let's be honest, that's the one we all remember, the Disney one. But um, it's set in 16th century Paris, which was not a welcome place for outsiders at all. Notre Dame Cathedral is led by the supposed moral center of the city, the outwardly pious Archdeacon Claude Frollo, who, who rules with an iron fist and seeks to rid the city of all who are different. He keeps hidden away his charge, the loving and curious Quasimodo. He punishes and persecuted, persecutes the Romani gypsy population who reside in the city, and he shames and manipulates the parishioners of the cathedral. Real nice guy. When we meet the gypsy Esmeralda in this song we're about to hear, she has just defied Frollo publicly by defending Quasimodo against public humiliation. And the two flee into the sanctuary, the famous cathedral, and Esmeralda alone under the watchful eye of the stained glass and stone saints begins to talk to God, maybe for the first time. I don't know if you can... All right, let's try it again. <laughs> I don't know if you can hear me or if you're even there. I don't know if you would listen to a gypsy's prayer. Yes, I know I'm just an outcast. I shouldn't speak to you. Still, I see your face and wonder, were you once an outcast too? From birth, show them the mercy they don't find on earth. God help my people, they look to you still. God help the outcast, or nobody They ask for wealth, they ask for fame, they ask for glory to shine on their names. They ask for love they can possess, they ask for God and His angels to than I. Please help my people 
trod. I thought we all were children of God. God help the outcast children of today comes from Luke chapter 5 verses 12 through 13 and then verses 27 through 32. Once when he's in one of the cities there was a man covered with leprosy. When he saw Jesus he bowed with his face to the ground and begged him, Lord if you choose you can make me clean. Then Jesus stretched out his hand, touched him and said, I do choose be made clean. Immediately, the leprosy left him. After this, he went out and saw a tax collector named Levi sitting at the tax booth. And he said to him, follow me. And he got up, left everything, and followed him. Then Levi gave a great banquet for him in his house. And there was a large crowd of tax collectors and others sitting at the table with them. The Pharisees and the scribes were complaining to the disciples, saying, Who do you eat? Why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? Jesus answered, Those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. I have come to call not the righteous, but sinners to repentance. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. So an outcast, I, I, I'm just nerdy enough to look up the word in the dictionary. So I did. I looked up the word outcast in Merriam-Webster Dictionary, and it says one who is cast out. Okay. Cast out or refused acceptance by society. Cast out or refused acceptance by society. Now why in the world would the world treat somebody like that why would they throw them out and just treat them badly refuse to accept them I think some of it is fear-based there's a fear-based reaction and and sometimes just plain old ignorance to somebody who is different um, have you ever noticed that people who are different people who look different sound different think different that there's a, like a fear-based repulsion. There's a, there's a kind of, I don't know about you, so therefore I'm going to shun you. Um, I learned some lessons about how to relate to people that are, are different. When I worked for United Cerebral Palsy in Huntsville, um, I, the Cerebral Palsy Center, I have great, great respect for. Uh, they do some wonderful work. They, they do physical and occupational therapy for children um, that have cerebral palsy. Um, I was 
I worked in the fundraising department. I wasn't a physical therapist or occupational therapist or any of those heroes in my book. Um, but I wanted to get to know the kids, right? So I had really never been around children with cerebral palsy, and I, I, I wanted to get to know them. So I remember my, like my first day there at work, I, I went, and there was this little boy there, and he was in a wheelchair, and he was drawn over to, to the side. His, his, um, his speech had been greatly affected by the cerebral palsy. He, um, he had a towel on one shoulder because he, he was drooling, couldn't control that. His, his speech, was, he spoke with great difficulty and very, very slowly. And I was extremely nervous as I approached this kid because I hadn't been around these kids. So I leaned over to him and I said, Hello, my name is Sam. And uh, some of y'all see that where this is going already. And he very slowly and with great difficulty said this, I am not deaf. <laughs> and then he just laughed, and I laughed too. And so we were great friends after that. But, um, but over my time there at the Cerebral Palsy Center, I learned a lot about courage and about resiliency and about determination. And I learned an awful lot uh, uh, of heartbreaking stuff from these kids and from their parents about how people treated them just out of some some of it out of fear some of it out of ignorance or just meanness treated these kids as outcasts just because of their physical differences now this is not a new phenomenon it is a very very old story and if you go back to Jesus's day and back before it turned out that anybody that had a skin condition, um, any kind of skin condition at all, was cast out of society because it might be leprosy. Now, when I say any kind of skin condition, I'm talking about like if they had eczema, like I have eczema on my hands that, that breaks out from time to time, and I could, sometimes I can't wear my wedding ring because I have to like doctor this stuff and all of this if you had psoriasis or if you, any kind of thing like that, then you would be cast out of your home, cast out of town, and separated out and considered unclean because it could be leprosy. Leprosy was a terrible, terrible disease, one of the most feared diseases around because it killed people slowly, very contagious. It might be leprosy, so you were outcast. And you were when you were physically outcast from your home and from the village and, and everything then you were also emotionally outcast. Just think about not being able to have anybody to touch you, not being able to get a hug, not being able uh, to have any kind of community like that, not, not being able to be with the people that, even the people that love you, you can't touch them, you can't get anywhere near them. Uh, it's well documented that, that people who don't have physical touch in their lives are, are emotionally and, and mentally uh, degraded because of that. So these folks with these suspicious 
skin conditions where they're, they're physically and emotionally outcast, and they were spiritually outcast too, because guess what? They couldn't go and worship. They couldn't go to the synagogue and worship because people looked at them with not only fear but judgment because the theology in that day was that if you had something that bad, that God must really hate you and God must really be punishing you. Don't you remember how Job in the Old Testament was treated by his friends, his so-called friends? His so-called friends came up to him and said, Hey, Job, man, you must have really done something bad to make God punish you like this. That was their mentality. So knowing that other people didn't want to be around you, knowing that everybody believed that you were being punished by God, and just thinking yourself, even God doesn't want anything to do with me. But sometimes the reason that people were outcast didn't have anything to do with a physical uh, affliction or with physical appearance at all. Sometimes it just boiled down to what you did for a living. That could make you an outcast. Let's say you were a tax collector, for instance. So people might have some sympathy for a leper, you know, I mean, they might still love them even though they didn't want to be around them. They might still have sympathy for them. But nobody, I mean nobody, had sympathy for the tax collector. And everybody hated them. They hated them. They saw them as traitors. They saw them as collaborators with the Roman government. They, they viewed them as thieves. Which... Sometimes they were. Sometimes they collected too much money and then pocketed the rest and they got rich off of the backs of the poor. And yeah, many of them were wealthy. And yes, many of them cheated. But they were still outcast, you see. And that gave them something in common with the lepers. Now, they might live in a nice house instead of in a leper colony but they were still the outcasts. They were still the butt of everybody's jokes. They were still, you know, the, the victims of everybody's judgmental sideways glances. They were still kept from worshiping because they, the tax collectors, were considered the worst sinners of all. So, lepers hung out with only lepers, Tax collectors hung out with only tax collectors. It was kind of a pitiful fellowship of outcasts. And that's why it reminds me so much of Victor Hugo's novel. That in the, when it came out in the French, Notre Dame de Paris, we know it better as the hunchback of Notre Dame. And as I said before, many of you might have read the book Maybe, maybe you, it was one of those books that you had to read when you were uh, in school. Uh, I'll have to admit, I know it because of the Disney movie, because I'm a Disney movie fan, and there you go. The book is always better, I am told. Anyway, the, the story centers around these two people who are outcasts, Quasimoto 
and Esmeralda. Quasimodo is an outcast because of a physical condition. Now, Quasimodo's physical condition wasn't leprosy. His was um, a deformity of his back that caused him to have what, <clears throat> what looked like a hump. It would, I guess it was, if, if we had um, medical terminology today, it was probably some kind of kyphosis or some, some kind of problem with his spine that, that caused him to have this physical appearance. He was abandoned as a baby because of his physical problem. And he was taken in by this priest and he was raised in Notre Dame Cathedral where he became the bell ringer. You remember the story? He became the bell ringer. Quasimodo did not go out into public. He was curious, he was, he was smart, but he didn't go out into public because people were afraid of him. When they saw him, they screamed. They shunned him, they made fun of him, they were cruel to him, and so this was Quasimodo's life. He just hung out in the cathedral and rang the bells. And then there's the other main character, Esmeralda, who was also an outcast, because she was a Romani gypsy. Esmeralda was a street dancer. And, well, the gypsies were outcasts because they were different. They, they kept to themselves and they, they made a living by entertaining or by performing. Sometimes by begging and sometimes by thieving. And so people didn't like them. People shunned them. The only people who wanted to be around gypsies were other gypsies, you see. All right, so now let's, let's shift and go back to the outcasts that we read about in Luke chapter 5. The, there was the man that had leprosy. He came up to Jesus, and instead of doing what he was supposed to do, instead of standing way off and covering his mouth and yelling unclean, he came up to Jesus, and he bowed down to the ground, and he said, Lord, if you choose, you can make me clean. You see, he took just a little step of faith. He reached out just a little bit. Now, knowing how society had been treating him, we know how society had, had just cast him out. Nobody wanted to touch this man. He probably had not had anybody touch him in years at this point. He was dying, and he knew it. Slowly, from the inside out, he was rejected. He was despised. He was cast out of everybody that away from everybody that loved him. He was hated by people. He believed that God hated him. That's how society treated him. But how did Jesus treat him? The man said, Lord, if you, if you choose to, you can make me clean. And Jesus said, I do choose to. I do choose to. And Jesus healed him. But I want you to pay attention to this. He didn't heal him in just any old way. Jesus could have spoken the word, and, and in other places, Jesus did heal people by just speaking a word. Jesus could have spoken a word and healed him, but instead, Jesus reached out and touched him. The first touch that this man had had in years, he touched him, and he said, be made clean, and the leprosy was gone. 
So think about this. Jesus touched a leper. In theory, the fact that Jesus touched the leper should have made him, Jesus, ceremonially unclean, right? And it should have made him, Jesus, liable to contract this terrible disease of leprosy himself. But it worked the other way around. Instead of Jesus catching this man's uncleanness and this man's disease, the man caught Jesus' healing and wholeness and love. The other outcast that we read in Luke chapter 5 was an outcast because of his occupation. Levi, also known as Matthew, So I can picture Matthew in my mind there sitting at his tax collecting booth, collecting tax from people as they go by, collecting hate from people as they go by, right? Because that's how society treated them. But that's not how Jesus treated him. Jesus walked right up to Matthew and looked him right in the eye and he said, follow me. It was like Jesus was breaking through a wall of separation. Just like he had broken through the wall of isolation with a man of lep- but with leprosy, he, he broke into Matthew, had really a sealed off world. He changed Matthew's whole world by just saying two words, follow me. And Matthew did. He got up and he left everything and he followed Jesus. And when I say Jesus, I, when I say he followed Jesus, I don't mean that he just physically got up and started walking behind Jesus. I mean he followed Jesus in that he started doing the things that Jesus would do. What would Jesus do? Well, he would invite other people. He would invite other outcasts to join the party. And that's what he did. Matthew invited all of his tax collector friends. He had a big banquet All outcasts, like himself, gave a big banquet with Jesus as the guest of honor and all of his rowdy friends as the attendees. And the Pharisees and the scribes heard about this. You know how gossip goes around? You know how gossip goes around? Yeah, it does. Gossip was going around. Did you hear what Jesus was doing? Did you hear that? Did you hear Jesus is going to Matthew's house? Did you hear Matthew's giving a party and he's inviting all of his tax collector and sinner friends? Whoo, isn't that shameful? Somebody needs to, you know what? Somebody needs to say something to his disciples about that, which they did. And Jesus heard about this. And here's what Jesus said. Those who are well have no need of a physician. Those who are sick need the physician. Have you ever thought about how that very, very few of the Pharisees and scribes ever received the healing and forgiveness of Jesus? Very few of them did. You know why? Not because Jesus hated them. It's because they didn't think they needed it. They didn't think they needed it. If you had been there at Matthew's banquet, and let's say if, if you had gotten up at the banquet and said, Hey, everybody, hey, how many of you here, how many of you here 
need salvation. Everybody in the room were like, whoo. Scribes and Pharisees would be like, you know, I don't know about you, but I'd, I'd be one of the ones saying, ooh, me. Me, I need it. Why did Jesus do this? Why did Jesus reach out to, hang out with folks that had been cast out by society? Why did Jesus, knowing what we know about Jesus, that in, according to Colossians 2.9, Jesus was the fullness of the Godhead in bodily form. According to John 1, 1, Jesus was the Word of God made flesh. So everything we can know about God in human flesh chose to hang out with fishermen, tax collectors, sick people, demon-possessed people, Samaritans, just anybody you could think of that was on the fringes of society. Why did Jesus do that? I think Esmeralda touched on it in her song, which is really a prayer. And I hope that you really got that sense that it was a prayer. Listen to these lines. Yes, I know I'm just an outcast. I shouldn't speak to you. Still, I see your face and wonder, were you once an outcast too? Ah, Esmeralda, you get it. You get it. Because Jesus was an outcast. Remember what the prophet Isaiah said about the coming of the Messiah in Isaiah 53? Here's what what Isaiah said about the Messiah when he comes. He was despised and rejected by others, a man of suffering and acquainted with infirmities, as one from whom others hide their faces. He was despised, and we held him of no account. Jesus, were you once an outcast too? I wonder if that's why Jesus loved those who were despised and rejected. Is it any wonder why Jesus is close to the brokenhearted today? I want to uh, close by challenging you. Because I don't want this just to be uh, something that tickles your brain. I want it to touch your heart. And I want you and me to be challenged with what Jesus did. And I want you to be challenged by Esmeralda's prayer. Listen again to the chorus of the song, God help the outcast, hungry from birth, show them the mercy they don't find on earth. God help my people, we look to you still. God help the outcast or nobody will. So, do you know somebody? Maybe who's been forgotten and neglected? Somebody that's been treated like a throwaway? <laughs> Do you know somebody that needs a touch? If, if it's not a physical touch that you could give them, maybe a phone call or a text? 
somebody that is hungry for somebody to care for them? Do you know somebody that is hungry to know that God loves them, that God hasn't given up on them? Jesus really specializes in outcasts. And I'm saying that we, as his followers, shouldn't we do the same? If we don't reach out to the outcasts, who will? Let's pray. Oh, Lord, thank you for the lessons that you teach us through your word. Thank, uh, thank you for what you're doing even now uh, through your Holy Spirit as you're touching our hearts. Lord, you know what it's like to be despised and rejected. You know what it's like to be even questioned by your own family. You know what it's like, Lord, to be the victim of others' scorn and hate, to be the subject of their gossip. You know what it's like, Lord. And so, Lord, I pray that you would put in us put in us compassion and empathy for those who are in that position help us to be bearers of the good news that yes you do choose to bring healing yes you do choose to bring love and acceptance to the people that society have rejected in Jesus name we pray Amen. Will you stand as we worship together?
children, and their children, and their children. will be our closing benediction what we've been singing will always be to me the MYF benediction if you've been Methodist a long time you know what I'm talking about may the Lord bless you and keep you may the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you may the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace Amen